Welcome to The Clean Project, promoting real, transparent, and faithful conversations about purity and sexuality in today's culture. Our guest for this episode is Micaiah, a recent graduate of NC State, who's joining us to discuss issues ranging from messaging in the culture, overcoming struggles with lust, and how to navigate purity as a young adult in the city. So, without further delay, let's get to our guest. So yeah, my name is Micaiah Miller. Um, recently graduated, I guess two years ago now, with the new year I'm coming in. But um, yeah, when NC State, North Carolina native, uh, I've lived mostly on the eastern side, but I've lived a bit, I've lived almost everywhere, east and western part of North Carolina. So I'm very familiar with the state. Um, I would say my walk with Christ became more serious towards my junior year, right around COVID. It's when I started to come more to church and just take uh, living from seriously. And I would say, yeah, day to day now, just looking to serve God and do his will. Good word. Um, all right, so normally I have some questions prepared, you know, for guests ahead of time, but I kind of like to freestyle a little bit. So tell me a little bit about what you see from like, you know, from the perspective of the conversation, because we could talk about a little bit about everything here, um, but maybe from the context of like moral purity or even just walking out a relationship with Jesus, you know, why is that important for you? And how does that like sometimes almost collide with the culture, things you're seeing in the media and just like your own struggles? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's like completely anti-culture. I would say, like just the way Jesus tells us to love our enemies, serve Him, like with the uttermost of our hearts. It's hard to do, like uh, the culture teaches us, especially American culture. Like work hard, uh, selfishly pursue your desires, like seek first your kingdom rather mm-hmm. than like God's kingdom. And then in terms of like lust and dating, it's like especially nowadays. I don't know if you're familiar with um, like I just think of Andrew Tate. I don't. <laughs> he's a funny character for me but like a lot of stuff he says he gets a lot of like a lot of clicks a lot of impressions like that sort of thing of uh like treat women with no care like whoever can care the least like wins and i guess from relationships and just that sort of like selfish mentality is not good but it draws a lot of people and people like it and in a sense it works in like worldly circles man that's a good point i think you know there's something that appeals to men and i would even say like some sometimes in the church i think definitely one of the things that pulled me to um our church is that there is something about strong male leadership and maybe more of a conservative or a kind of a traditional male headship or leadership. That doesn't mean that the man dominates. I think we need to kind of get that maybe more that feminist, aggressive stance against men that I've seen just, it's very toxic. But yeah, Andrew Tate's kind of the inverse of that where it's more like, you know, men need to take charge again and we need to like almost put women in our place. I think he's had enough interviews with people to kind of push back and I know uh, man, I forgot this guy's name George Janko? yeah he interviewed George Janko I think I think he's talked to like Jordan Peterson a few other people have kind of like maybe pushed back on some of his psychology I'm not sure maybe indirectly but yeah George Janko like that, that dude he got on his show because he, he's raw too and he's got a pretty big following and so it was kind of like he wasn't gonna let him slide yeah. you know what I mean I don't know what are your thoughts on that we'll, we'll drop a link to that interview in the show notes but it's kind of relevant in the combo because I know a lot of young men particularly like tune into Andrew Tate even like in the faith you know what I mean like there's a lot of like 
kind of weird because sometimes like the loudest is like the one that gets the most attention. I don't know. Maybe we'll take a quick sidestep, talk a little bit about that. Maybe how that plays into the conversation. And then what should our response, what do you think is the biblical response to that in looking at the person of Jesus and how he wanted to establish that type of leadership in the home or in the marriage? And and why does that matter today? Yeah. So like you were saying, like having a strong like male leadership, I guess for young men and for certain people, since it's not seen as much today, people are drawn to it. And that's uh, not necessarily what drew me to Hosea, but the fact that uh, Pastor David was willing to take stands and not care, I guess, didn't look to, um, I guess, cater to everyone. Like, it's like, this is what the Bible says. This is what's true. Either take it or leave it. And that's what I kind of like to hear because following God is not going to always cater to your feelings. You're not always going to feel happy or like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Sometimes it's like sacrifice and like hard work. But then uh, on the other side, like, I guess for the people that are like, look up to him, he's pretty, he, like, he takes his stance. And as a Christian, we should look to emulate Jesus, who should, that should be like our head masculine figure. I always think like Jesus was very, his words were like seasoned with salt. He wasn't abrasive, like take, he said things that sometimes cut people, but it cut to like the heart of the problem and what like really needed to be said. But he was also gentle. So I think that's also need to be taken account for. Yeah, I like what you said about the point isn't just to shut down or push back against the culture, more so just to firm up what the Bible says. And I think you could do that in a way. I mean, Jesus did that, essentially. He basically was kind of reminding people of the truth. And the reason I think that that message was so powerful is because he lived it out. He did it in a way without compromising, you know, and I think that's the key. It's as a human, I'm never going to do it perfectly, but I can point to Jesus and I can try to live out his ways. I think in truth, we really can't do that without his Holy Spirit. You know, without the word of God and the power of God living and working through us to to actually change the human heart. I I love the scene in the gospel, you know, going on that thread. And I kind of recently did a little bit of unpacking on this. Check this out. Uh, Matthew 9.13. And this is, I'll paint the scene a little bit. So Jesus is starting his ministry. He calls out Peter and then Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which at the time was pretty much like your you know, public enemy number one, like you're collecting off your own people and basically helping the enemy, you know, the people occupying your land. So it's kind of like a really hard spot to be in. But Jesus calls the people that the righteous, the religious minded, you know, would not expect God to want to like draw to him. Some of those people, like they believe those people were outside of his reach. There's a scene where Jesus basically asks Matthew, or he commands him basically, hey, I want you to follow me. And by the way, we're going to have dinner at your house. <laughs> so um, these righteous leaders, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law kind of like happen to be dropping in on this dinner that Jesus has with, you know, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. And it really is kind of wild to think that God's plan really is to like reach sinners and like help restore them versus people that are kind of doing it right. Like it's kind of wild to think about that. I mean, I think he was accomplishing both. I don't know. Do you want do you want to add anything to that before we unpack the? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. I guess like I guess for people who are uh, so called like moral, like if he can change and help the least of us, like how much more can he help you? Type of deal. All right. So here's basically the scene. These Pharisees interact with Jesus. He's just starting his ministry and he's calling the least of society to build disciples from. So it's just kind of wild to think of it from that perspective, like how we should interact with our neighbors and like sometimes not creating echo chambers and like, you know, uh, alienating people that just because they look and act differently from us. So Jesus says to the, uh, the Pharisees in response to their probing about like, you know, why are you hanging around these quote unquote sinners? He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy 
mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous or the healthy, but sinners. And that was kind of like a rebuff. He was rebuking these, these high-minded teachers, right? They were kind of just like hitting them direct. Like, Hey, like, you know, we know what the law says. So if you're like a religious man or a prophet or a rabbi, like what's going on? So what Jesus actually is doing is quoting from a couple different verses. Uh, we don't have time to unpack all this, but he's quoting from Micah about, you know, what does the Lord require to seek justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly before the Lord, your God. And like, so the heart of what it means to be righteous. And also he's quoting from, this is kind of telling, he's quoting from the book of Hosea 6, 6. Actually, can you, can you read that? Yeah, I can read that. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Then also from 1 Samuel 15, 22. Oh, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. I mean, so in modern speak, Jesus is responding to people that are prejudging other people in their hearts using the law, which is God's word, as a means to exact said judgment. So it's like me going to my neighbor or my family member, even in my heart, and just being like, these people are far from God. I'm basically saying they're not, like, God can't do anything for these people. Like, I've tried to share the gospel, I tried to be an example, but they're so far from God. And it's like almost, I've had this happen, you know, it's almost like, dang, I think that's just evidence my heart's moving away from the Lord. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm unpack, unpack that. I'm unpack that. See, I deal with that similarly, but I, it's not that I don't think that God doesn't do anything for him. I just think because I know myself and how hard-headed and like set in my ways and hard in my heart's been sometimes to sin and like uh, just for example, lust and like sexual sin before it could it just makes sense to me. It was like, man, I could tell you a thousand times, but if you don't want to listen or hear. Like, what could I really do for you? Like, it, it would take, honestly, God pulling at their heart because I, we know that we don't save anyone, but just sharing the gospel, it's up for us to share and God to do like the rest. Even though like death and life is in the power of the tongue, I think it's in James or his Proverbs. So I know my words and actions can create harm or to build up and encourage someone. But from the standpoint of like changing someone's worldview or their heart disposition, like forgiving others that have wronged them, or even just from an eternal perspective, like the word, the logos, you know, the word of God that's empowered. So this is supernatural language with power. It's, it's like, man, we could spend like a whole episode just unpacking like why the word of the Lord modeled through his actions has an effect that transcends what we can experience in our day-to-day life because why did people stop what they were doing to like follow this rabbi well there's clearly something about the way he lived and i was just i was just reading this i think it was after like sermon of the mount or the beatitudes he was giving to his disciples and they were like who's this person that like he speaks with authority he's not like the pharisees not like the leaders and the teachers like this guy actually like he speaks and it changes things how does this play into the conversation? Well, if I've lusted and if I've sinned and fell into immorality and I see my neighbors do that, you know, they're, they're having sex outside of marriage, by the way, you know, been there in the past, or like even just 
practicing other lifestyles. I've seen that in my neighborhood. Pornography or? Or, or just like LGBTQA, yeah. uh, same sex, or even just transsexual <laughs> stuff. I don't know what's really kind of going down on the campus. Like what I'm seeing more and more is like as people are turning away from God, they're trying to recreate or like redefine what gender and identity yeah, and sexuality, right. marriage, mm -hmm. and like what these institutions that are against my own desires and I mean, there's so much more we can uncover there and you know like paul addresses us in romans one about the ways of man and the human heart and what happens when we turn our backs on god i mean even old testament isaiah jeremiah the prophets were constantly calling the nations to repent and to turn away from the idols and there's something about the sexual morality and idolatry that why is it that that is just so lethal the lust of the flesh or the desire of the eyes that can lead a person away from their creator and maybe even towards something that is a distortion or unhealthy, something that's not meant for our good, being wise in our own eyes or defining what is good in our own eyes, like maybe unpack some of that. Yeah, I think it comes down to submission and like fully following God because I think about that too as I've like grown more spiritually mature. It's like, um, it's not just uh, let me follow the Ten Commandments and be like a righteous moral person and ask God for forgiveness and that's what it is. It's like constantly growing, constantly finding new ways that you need to submit or areas that you didn't know you struggled in or you didn't, yeah, you didn't notice it was a problem, but the Holy Spirit convicts you. It's like, hey man, you gotta give up watching TV on, but just little things that like the Holy Spirit convicts you. And then for like sexual morality and that type of sin, it plays on like human desire to want to be in a relationship and like have intimacy with mm. a partner. But then it's like, it gets distorted because you, you start to fall in love with like the creation rather than creator. Mm. And then like, uh, I don't know much about brain science, but I know like it's a big thing in terms of addiction and like habit forming. Like it's easy to fall into like sexual morality and that sin and not stop. And then it comes to the point where you have to make a decision. It's like, am I going to follow God half-heartedly or am I going to commit? So you have to lean on the Holy Spirit and, and just be close to Him to come back. It doesn't mean you won't fall, but it does mean you have to be better and constantly get better. Strong words. Like, just being raw. Like, I'm so tired of, like, intellectualism and, like, just self-will, self-help, like, methods. Like, I've had the apps and the screen time and the covenant eyes. I've had all this stuff. I've been through it. I'm going to groups regularly for this. And yeah. there's just a point where even just looking at my neighbors and being like, well, how are they figuring this out? You know, how are these married people able to be in a relationship that doesn't go sexual or doesn't compromise, like, slip? Yeah. I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, God, like, why do I keep keep running into this crap I hate. How can I ever get free? And the thing is like, it's almost vain to even be like, well, I've walked out freedom before. Like, it's just death. It's death to yourself. Like, I, I think, I love what you said about submission. I definitely think that's the solution. So submission's the solution. Dang, like put that in a meme somewhere. I don't know, but like the symptom, if submission is the solution, submitting isn't like putting on a chain and like begging whenever Jesus puts on your heart or whenever your pastor asks you to do something, typically for someone else, like typically as a need. Like, I don't, I don't think my pastor's ever really come to me and said, stop everything you're doing in your life break up your girlfriend because i need you to like serve and submit like it's like if that's the case and they haven't even really developed a relationship with you i mean and I'm, by the way don't put everything on your local pastors like they're human beings too they got a lot of stuff on their plate but i do think like 
you're going to have people in your lives that are going to want to shepherd you a little bit more closely. And if you don't have those people in your life, kind of like sometimes speaking things that are like going to convict you, you probably need to like have other friends that do like, I'm not saying divorce your friends, but you need to have some people in your life kind of keeping you in check with some truth, even if they're in the struggle with it themselves. But I think it's important to be like, am I just doing that to straighten someone out? Or am I doing that? Cause I actually care about their soul. Cause if you didn't care, you would never even tell them. It's like, you wouldn't even throw them a life raft if the ship was sinking. If you didn't care, you just, you'd affirm them in their sin. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you're practicing that. I'll tear your lifestyle. I hope that goes well with you. You know, I want to be at the wedding when you, it's like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's weird. Um, you know, just kind of go into this idea of the symptom is selfishness. That's the biblical record basically paints as like, hey, we were never supposed to live this way. We had harmony with God. Like we, God wanted relationship. And so whenever we're doing things out of the flesh, out of our selfish desires, our sinful desires, to me, that's the reason why we get off the mark is because it's like, well, God's ways are just too hard. I can meet this need on my own. I don't have to wait for God to bring me a wife because he's not doing it. I don't have to wait for God to heal my heart because I keep, every time I try to take one step forward, I get knocked down two steps back and like people are just suck. You know what I mean? I give and I give and I encourage and I encourage and it doesn't come back to me, you know? And it's almost like it's me, 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 me. That's the issue. Yeah. Man, there's so much we can talk about here, but uh, I heard it like this. By the way, do you have anything to respond about that? I agree with what you're saying. Like I full heartedly understand what that feels like. And I'm still like going through it. Like mm. it's not uh, something I'm like fully past. Like I still have to constantly like be vigilant <laughs> and monitor my time and just keep submitting. I feel a lot of times what's helped me is just talk to God. I just feel like he's able to meet and help me better when I do that. Yeah, I kind of wanted to like maybe from the perspective of somebody that's just not there and they're, you know, just like, yeah, I hear what you guys are saying, but you're both a Christians. You're both are like affirming one another and or validating almost, but you don't understand the struggles and the traumas I've been through and parents didn't care about you, all that, you know, yeah. people that dumped you and like maybe speak from, I don't know if you have a family member that's just kind of not there yet and they're kind of more hard into it or friends or neighbors. Like when we talk about these issues, the unbeliever, people who haven't been regenerate in the Holy Spirit, or maybe even people that are kind of like, they get it, they fear God, but like they're just not changing their ways. I mean, geez, like that's even like the church, like, dang, like how many of us actually like throw our hands up, and, you know, during yeah. Sunday morning worship. And then like, you know, later that evening or that morning we're masturbating and we're, we're engaging in sexual morality. And like the stats are crazy. I think like most people engage with the stuff like Sunday morning, bro, like facts, like that's one of the highest because you know, oh, I'm about to go to church. Might as well like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, just... yeah. I mean, but like from like, not, not to like sensationalize that from the standpoint of like, why is the world like their hearts are hardened to like the message? of the gospel if we know there's a way out through Christ and we know there's freedom from self why is it that the human heart just can't get there and then almost in response to like the message of the gospel it just it defaults to self which quickly defaults to immorality the desire to be immortal like and that's a whole other deep diving get into with like conversations about like the AI singularity and man trying to become like get their consciousness in the cloud and live forever and like all that stuff like yeah yeah so maybe we can segue into some of that conflict because I think it's important but what are your thoughts on that we'll take a break here in a minute but like what are your thoughts on maybe some of that if the solution at least from the biblical perspective 
is submission or obedience. Like we talked about, obedience is better than sacrifice, a right heart before God. So I'm choosing to forsake myself and my pleasure and fight the urge by drawing closer to my Lord through his word, through prayer. The opposite of that seems to be I'm going to forsake God, give in to my pleasure because that's something I can control and get immediate satisfaction from versus doing things God's ways, which sometimes result in more suffering because you're being pruned. Like you're having to finally deal with the reality that you're not perfect and in control of your life, that you need other people to help you get right. Because let's be honest, like unrestrained people do some wild stuff. And we talked about the sound of freedom on this show. We talk about where the human heart can lead the evil. It can just even engaging with the porn directly and indirectly supports trafficking. We know this now. Like we know the effects it has, uh, just the symptoms there and the effects of that. So what do you gain from that convo? Or like, what do you have to say in response to maybe some of that? Yeah, I think the reason, like we were saying, it is hard, but it also takes like having faith. A lot of times I read the Bible about things that I struggle with or things that I have a hard time believing. It comes down to like having faith. It kind of goes back to submission, but like surrendering your ideas of what you know about the world. So like when the Bible says we can have freedom, there's no condemnation, things like that. It's hard to believe. It's like, what does the Bible say? Like my burden is easy. Yeah, I just was reading that today. It's, it's Matthew eleven twenty eight. but go ahead and read it. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every time I hear that, I'm like, bro, what do you mean it's easy? It's not easy. Like, I want to do what I want to do every day. Like, this isn't easy. But the more I read it and the more I come back to it, it's just having faith. Like, some of the hardest times where I didn't believe things, and then when they finally did happen, I'm like, man, why Why was I so uh, incontent? Why was I being such a baby and complaining so hard? It's because I didn't believe it could really happen. And if I had that same heart posture the entire time, maybe all my suffering wouldn't really be suffering. I'm telling you, oh, so far. I, I, by the way, I have to say, like, if Jesus were here today in like 2024 and he was doing like an open mic preach, you know, people are like, I'm in the struggle right here, man. Like, let me get some of that living water that's never gonna let me get a pinch of that. Yeah. No, but that's so good. I like how raw you were because I think sometimes as Christians, like, we get a little too religious, we get a little over spiritual about like, I don't want to offend God by like sharing my heart. Like, nah, this is raw, this is real. Like, I think the best way I can really approach even that is, is to be like okay if the world's fallen if we are impacted by sin on a daily basis like that's why i think the bible is so true is because how it actually makes sense of the world that we're in most people really understand there's something flawed about humanity there's evil in the land and they also could see clearly the religious hypocrisy i'm telling you you don't need to get into the doctrines of people about the faith they they can see it with their own eyes they can see what the human heart and the wickedness that happens and sometimes what they're seeing is christian people it's like they almost know about jesus and when they look at the product they're like yeah there's something that's not in alignment and i would say in response to that yeah but if you also know jesus then you also know not to judge other people so you can't put yourself in Jesus' shoes if you're not in relationship with Jesus and judge Jesus' people. In a sense, you're becoming a hypocrite, but I think the onus is on us as believers to live a higher life. And that's why I think Jesus used the language that he used. If anybody sins with their hand, cut it off. If you lust in your heart, you're committing adultery. It's like, dang, man, like in my heart. 
Like, I don't have any control of that. And I'm like, ah, that's what we say. Those are the narratives we tell ourselves, even as believers. I can never get free of sexual immorality. And then we create like alternative theology to support that, the cheap grace, the, oh, well, God's already got you. It's like, yeah, God's got you so that you don't have to stay in that sin. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of The Clean Project. If you found this message helpful, consider sharing with a like-minded student or peer in your community. Consider becoming a partner to the project by visiting www.thecleanproject.net support for more details. Also, if you're needing individual coaching for combating porn and sexual addiction, please visit the support page of our website and scroll down to the bottom where you'll find a link for a free personal coaching session. Check out in the coming weeks for the exciting conclusion of this episode and more. So, until next time, this is your host Jason, signing off. Peace.